0: Welcome to ACUM Insight, the weekly podcast about higher education by the Association of Independent Colleges and Universities in Massachusetts. This week, ACUM Senior Vice President and General Counsel Rob McCarran interviews Senator Michael Rodericks, Chair of the Senate Committee on Ways and Means. To begin, here's Rob McCarran.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Rob McCarran, Senior Vice President and General Counsel at the Association of Independent Colleges and Universities in Massachusetts, or as more commonly known, ACOM. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of ACOM Insight, a podcast that focuses on people, policies and programs, and their connection to higher education in Massachusetts. This week, I am really excited to be able to spend a few minutes with Senator Michael Rodericks, Chair of the Senate Committee on Ways and Means in the Massachusetts Legislature, Senator Rodericks was first elected to the Massachusetts Senate in 2010, and he has the good fortune of serving the people of the 1st Bristol and Plymouth District, located on the beautiful south coast near the Rhode Island border. As I noted a moment ago, Senator Rodericks currently serves as chair of the R- Ways and Means Committee, after having previously held a number of different positions in the Senate, including chair of the Revenue Committee. Before joining the Senate, Chair R- Rodericks served for 14 years in the Massachusetts House of Representatives. And I was very fortunate that my time as a lawyer for the House Committee on Ways and Means overlapped with Chair Roderick's tenure in the House. Senator Roderick, it is my pleasure to welcome you to ACOM Insight.
0: Thank you very much, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know, we we do go back a long way, um, many years. Um, You and I have worked together. It's always been a pleasure. And I admire the work you do now at, at ACOM.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And it is good to see you again. And it is nice to have that, uh, that history of, of being able to work with you on so many things. And, and one of the things that always comes to my mind um, when we do get a chance to talk is, is the crucial role that you played in, in creating a state tax deduction for families uh, that make contributions to, the five, to their 529 college savings plans. You know, back in 2015, ACOM was working on the bill that would establish the, the tax deduction incentivize families to save more and to start saving earlier for college. And I remember one meeting with you in particular where you, you voiced support for the proposal, but you said, you challenged us to say, how are we gonna pay for this? But um, what, what do you remember from, from that meeting?
0: I, I remember like it was yesterday. It's hard to believe that it was you know, over five years ago or almost five years <laughs> ago, uh, uh, Rob. Um, I, remember, um, I remember being committed uh, to the program uh, anything we can do to help families save uh, for for the cost of their children's higher education is something that we want to be supportive of because we know how expensive it is. Yep. Uh, but on the on the same token, at, at that time I, I chaired the revenue committee with uh, then state representative Jay Kaufman, and we were very conscious of the cost that so-called tax expenditures, tax credits, tax deductions, the burden of the expense that plays uh, to the state budget and what many people people hear oh it's only a tax credit it's only a tax deduction well every dollar of a tax credit is is equal to uh a dollar of a of an actual expenditure Um, so we um adopted a set of rules uh, back then that said any uh, newer existing tax credits or existing tax credit extensions would be subject to sunset, so it gives us an opportunity to review the policy in the future to see if it still makes sense or if the policy needs to be modified, and that we would attempt to find offsetting costs in savings elsewhere so that this new tax expenditure would have a zero net effect on the budget. And yes. you rose to the challenge, Rob. So congratulations to you and your team at ACUM. You wrote, rose to the challenge. Um, we redrafted the bill uh, so that it only applied to uh, Massachusetts uh, families. Um, and, um, you know, working at the time with then-State Senator Eileen Donahue, this was a big issue for, for Senator yeah. Donahue. And, it certainly was, yes. And Senator Donahue was a very well-respected member of the Senate at the time. Um, so we did it. Congratulations. Yes. And I believe now, you've, you know, and, and it's a thing. Thanks to you. Uh, you know, cause I, it was funny
1: leaving that meeting, you know, we, we said, okay, he, he likes the idea, but he did say, let's try to figure out how to pay for it. And, and what was really, um, rewarding about the whole process is when we did come up with an idea, you, you sat back down with us and said, okay, this, this works, this would work. Let's see how we can make this happen. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was really a great example of how the the stake the stakeholder process and the exchange can can work and, and come out with a real meaningful piece of legislation at the other end.
0: Well, I think um, anyone that has had experience working with us in the Senate, especially in the Committee on Ways and Means in the Senate, we are looking for ways to get to yes. We are not looking for reasons to say no. We are looking for ways to say yes. At the same time, um I'm not afraid to say no as you know, and as yep. other, you know advocates and stakeholders know that um, when you come to see Senator Roderick, you get a straight answer. and if I tell you I really like it, let's let's get to yes. I'm committed to it and and I I and I will direct my teams. we will roll up our sleeves and work to get to yes and no. and, uh, and we did, which was great. Yeah we um, did and many families, I think you know I mean how many families have taken advantage of the 529 plan? You know,
1: it's been a great, uh, just since it's been created, um, there's been a 67% increase um, when you look at the three-year period before you created the the tax deduction. So wow. that's, there's a, that's a huge, significant increase. Those are more families that are not only saving for college, they're saving earlier. And that saving earlier puts them in a much better position, just understanding the process.
0: Um, well, wow, that's that's amazing. That is amazing.
1: And, yeah. and I think that also goes to uh, what you mentioned earlier—the sunset provision. You know, because right. you you thoughtfully put it in there to say, let's just not do it and forget about it. Let's let's set it up so that we have to go back and check to see is this working? Is 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 this doing what we hoped it would do? And look at the data. And and that's what we've you know the data that we've been able to collect with our, the help of uh, you know our, our colleagues and friends at MiFa. It, it shows that there's been, a, like I said, a 67% increase, which is, it's having an impact. It's, it's helping families think of and save for college.
0: The, the sunset provisions in all of our new tax expenditures are there for that exact reason, so that we can, so that we, I mean, it's five it, it, sun, it sunsets at the end of this year, the 529 plan. So now we'll talk about it. The governor, um, I believe, included uh, language in his- You're exactly right. Yes. That would that would remove the sunset. Um, we'll take a look at that. We will we will look at the data and we'll have that conversation. Had that language not been in there, you know, you set it and forget it. exactly. It seems only yesterday we enacted this law. I know. It is is amazing. And it is, it does force us to not only it, it, it forces us to
1: keep track of the data and to come back to you and say, yes, it's working. And and so we, really, we look forward to that the opportunity. You're right, Governor Baker put it in his FY22 budget proposal. We had a great conversation with your colleague, Senator Lesser, um, who's very interested in this topic and is also supportive of some legislation to either extend or make permanent uh, the, the tax deduction. So we really look forward to that, that opportunity to work with you and, and others in the legislature and, and Governor Baker to, to keep this going because it has been right. successful.
0: I look forward to that conversation. Yeah. And, we'll and one, one thing I
1: do remember, again, from our meeting and, and doing that work is um, a key data point that we, we came across when we were thinking that we should do this is that um, if a child has even some, some level of savings for college, that child is six to seven times more likely to end up going, uh, pursuing higher education. Wow. And so, you know. Again, it's it's thank you for you for, for you to you for make helping to make it happen, but it's really helping families think of and plan for college, which is great.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and we know so, the challenges um, that our higher educational institutions, both public and private, are going to face over the coming decade. Uh, yes, decades, I mean, the demographics are shifting. It's not unique to Massachusetts. It's not unique to the United States. It's global. Um, You're right. This global demographic shift change um, is going to have an effect, and we all need to 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 work together uh, to mitigate the effects of that demographic shift. I mean, higher education, both public and private, is too important here in Massachusetts uh, for it to remain anywhere but on the top of our priority list of issues to work on. Whether yeah. it's whether it's you know, just important for our citizens, the fact that we have, if not the highest educated population amongst the highest educated population in the entire country. Yep. Uh, we have, if not the most amongst the most higher education institutions within our borders, uh, you know, in, in the country, if not the world. Um, And uh, so from an economic development, from an employment standpoint, from a quality of life standpoint, from from a from what these educational institutions provide for for our for our citizens, it 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 has and it will um, remain the top of our priority. And um, you know the two l- biggest largest economic drivers in Commonwealth of Massachusetts are certainly higher educational institutions and healthcare institutions. Exactly right? It. We call them the Eds and Meds. Um, Eds and Meds. <laughs> the Eds and Meds. And prior to this pandemic recession, they've been, those two institutions have been more or less recession proof. But but as you, I don't have to tell you, uh this pandemic has caused stress on our Eds and Meds. And we, we recognize yeah. that. Yeah.
1: It really has. And, and you know, the, 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 institutions are, what's really um, been interesting in, in, a, in, when you think about the pandemic kind of an unintended consequence or, or um, is that at no time um, at least my tenure at, at ACOM and even before the level of collaboration and cooperation between public institutions and private has been remarkable. I mean, they're really, we're really working together to really think about how do we how we can as a as a higher ed sector deal with and handle the disruptions caused by COVID and and you know we've again working with our the, the public uh, the partners in the public system and, and uh, other parts of the the state government created a, a testing program for the fall that ended up um, higher ed ended up administering three point six million COVID tests wow. to help to help put. Have students come back to campus, faculty and staff keep faculty and staff safe, and, and in doing so, contribute as as much as we could to the local economy. If having students back on those campuses, but more importantly, helping those students stay on track to graduate, and 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 so uh, and and you know we're doing the testing again right now for the spring semester again to help um, students get back to as, as close as possible as to that uh, in-person residential experience, but doing it safely for not only them, but their surrounding communities. And so it's been the level of collaboration and partnership has really been, um, you know, inspiring actually to, to see that everyone come together to figure out how to deal with this. And, and that's true. Um, you know, the colleges in March COVID hit, they de-densified, they pivoted to remote learning. The The legislature had to do the same. I mean you, you you guys had to pivot to basically doing everything virtually and, and closing the state house and what has that been like for for you? Um, you know, as in a business that's really built on those personal interactions and face to face conversations, it's gonna be uh the, the last eleven months have to been pretty
0: interesting. It's been surreal, Rob. I mean, you know the building, you know the energy level in the building. Um so I am uh, I'm in the building uh, pretty much every day anyway, as you know, ways and means chair yeah. Um, and, but the building's like a ghost town. Um, we go into session. Uh, we, we had to, we had to, first of all, amend all our rules because as you know, the Senate always voiced in person. Yeah. I voice vote. And the only exception was that if you were ill or an infirmed or injured, but you still had to be in your state house office in order for a court officer to cast your vote. Yeah. We changed all that. Uh, and um, I've only participated, I think, in two sessions remotely during the pandemic. I'm in every day because, as you know, as a former counsel on ways and means, everything flows through ways and means. So we have to be there. Everything. Things change at the last minute. But you go into the Senate chamber where it's normally bustling with people—not just colleagues, the 40 state senators, but their staff, House, uh, Senate council staff, court offices, the clerks and the clerk staff. Um, and now it's a—it's—it's—it's it's, it's myself, a couple members of my staff from Ways and Means. It's the Senate President or the presiding officer. It's maybe. Uh, one a Senate council, you know, you have somebody from the clerk's office, the minority leader's office. That's it. Yeah. It's like a ghost town. Everyone else is online yeah. and there has certainly been lots of technological hiccups. Um, as you know, yeah. you know <laughs> technology fails sometimes, uh, Yes. you know, and we've had, um, we've had issues with that. Um, but it's worked. We've made it work. Uh, so surreal is
1: must be is the perfect word because I, I I had the good fortune of when I was at the State House working on three state budgets, and I remember talking to um, your staff person Martha Kwasnick. Um, I think it was September October, and at the time, you were still trying to close out some FY twenty stuff. You were crafting the FY twenty one budget and laying yep. the groundwork for FY twenty two. Yeah. I can't even. I can't imagine how you could juggle all those things at once.
0: We had three fiscal year budgets going at once. Yeah, about yeah, yep. Yeah. And I, then, but you also had well, time I had to an staff. I just have an amazing, amazing team, uh, as you know. The yes. dedication, the level of commitment, the level of knowledge, the intelligence uh, of, and I'm old now, so I say, you know, of these young professionals just blows me away every single day I go into the building. They are just amazing.
1: I completely agree. You know, and it's one, it's like not only the budget, but you were also able to get like big, important bills done. And and one of them was the campus sexual assault legislation. And that was a really important piece of legislation. And I, and I only raise it because for the, for the reason you just said, the work that uh, your chief of staff, Jeremy, Martha Kwasnick, Jonah Beckley, and Tova Miller, I mean, they were incredible to work with. And they were it was just a great example of how the process can work. And you and again, sometimes people are saying no and sometimes saying we're not going to do that. But you're having these conversations and it's really a thoughtful, um, professional way to think how how legislation works. And then you, you layer on the work that was done by, you know, the, the higher ed chairs, Jeff Roy and Ann Yeah. your your house counterpart, Aaron Milkowitz, uh, Senate President Spilka staff, Speakers DeLeo and Mariano there was some really important work going on um and it was being done remotely but it was being done well and effectively and it's just as you said it's a tribute to to the to the staff that shows up every day and
0: makes that happen absolutely we we are we are used to and good at juggling many issues at the same time and and we're doing it now you know as we yes. speak the senate was just in session uh till late last evening uh, adopting our rules uh for the 20 20- uh 21 22 uh legislative session. Yeah. Uh, the Senate President will be organizing uh her leadership and committee chairs over the next few days. Um and and it's down to work. You know, the thousands of bills that have been filed. Yeah. Will be the committees. Um committee hearings will happen, albeit virtually. Uh we've already scheduled our first ways and means joint ways and means committee hearing uh for the beginning of March. Yeah, um, where we delve headfirst into the FY22 budget.
1: Um, it's amazing that that's already started.
0: I know. <laughs> I am so glad. I am so glad. Calendar year 2020 is in our rearview yeah. mirror. Um, I mean, well, everything. Well, was I, good I, good. I um, until March. Yes.
1: <laughs> I really. Uh, I, I look forward to being able to work on on. The issues that do come up this year with you and your staff and and your colleagues and um and i really uh just wish you real well as as this new session unfolds and and uh and we hopefully were we you know as a state move beyond um covid and and start to think about you know, what that post covid uh reality looks like
0: well it's a two-way street uh rob and you know we need uh, we need you and your expertise, and Brad and your whole team at ACOM. We we need you as much as you need us. I mean, we. Um, I tell everyone all the time. Uh, again, because of my amazing staff, they make me sound a lot smarter than I really am. You know, I I I need to be a generalist. We're dealing with with. Major budget issues, we're dealing with campus sexual assault, we're dealing with police reform, we're dealing with racial justice, we're dealing with with climate change, we're dealing with transportation issues, you know, housing issues, food insecurity, you know, we're dealing with all these issues. So I need to be a generalist and I need and I've learned uh, and I've identified personally people like yourself that who you can rely on to get a straight answer and who you're comfortable in working with um because there there are going to be times as you know rob the answer is going to be no you know yeah, yeah, yeah that's, know. that's- <laughs> and, and and as somebody told me recently senator what we like about you the hottest thing to get out of the state house sometimes is no exactly right? yeah because we want to be everybody's friend we want to help everybody um um but um Luckily, that's not too often. Luckily, no the majority of the time is hey, let's buckle down, let's work together, and let's get to yes,
1: yep. But even again, the credit to you and your staff when it when it is a no, it's after a thoughtful conversation and and your willingness to listen, and and yep. that's all you know. That's all you can hope for. It's just exchange yep. ideas and and then move on to the next issue. So, uh,
0: well, I to- I miss I miss uh, I do miss. I'm a social animal. I do miss the interpersonal, direct, face to face conversations that we've had in the past, and I'm sure we'll have someday in the future. Yes. Uh, you know, now that I have this beautiful big office to greet you in at the State House, I don't know, I'm there all by myself, sitting behind my iPad, you know, my uh, my tablet. Yeah,
1: well, as a as a, a former House Ways and Means staffer, we were always jealous of the Senate Ways and Means office space.
0: It's pretty nice. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nice, oh. but, you know, I, I'm sitting there all by myself most days around yeah. the morning little conference table, but that's okay. That's okay, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, what's the new normal going to look like, Rob? You know, the Senate president yesterday announced the creation of a new committee, a Senate Standing Committee, to to ask that very question is what is this post-pandemic new normal going to look like? How is it going to affect the way we do business at the State House? How is it going to affect the way higher education conducts business in your institutions? How's, yep. it going to, how's it going to affect the way main streets around the Commonwealth do business? It's going to change. It is. I mean, if you would ask me a year ago, what's Zoom? I would have said that's the TV show my kids used to watch. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll age myself because I know what that is too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My kids used to watch that show, Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. I can hear yeah. the medley in my head. And And now here I am, you know, almost a year later, navigating Zoom meetings a day. And um... well, well, uh,
1: we look forward to the journey to get there, and uh, look forward to working with you and your colleagues uh, on that on that journey. And and again, to be any any resource and help that we can, we we look forward to that. And just wanted to to thank you. This has been I really have appreciated the time you've given and and the conversation. and, And look forward to the next time we can do it in person.
0: Me too. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to ACAM Insight. We will be back with a new episode next week. Be sure to listen and share.